we go. Up and ready. Wind has picked up. Do you like Chinese food? How often do you eat it? Wang Fu Jing Bookstore. Closing. When was the last time you went? Wi-Fi issues. Silence. Carbon credits. Digital currencies. And a whole lot more. <laughs> this here is the Steven Sersky Audio Digest. Audio blog? Oh, it doesn't matter. Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Folks, I am Steven Sersky. And yes, this is my audio dialish, uh, dialish uh, digest. Uh, my daily audio yik-yak, as I call it. Uh, wherein I uh, go on about some things that are going on here in uh, Beijing, China, which is where I'm living, and some of the things that uh, come across the news feed, both here in China and uh, all around the world, you know, some of the things that deal with us uh, or have to do with us expats, and maybe those of you who aren't expats but might like to know what's it like to live over there somewhere, wherever there might be. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the sad truth is that uh, the wind has picked up, which uh, means that we are now basically in uh, winter mode, or at least autumn, I guess, since it was autumn festival, uh, mid-autumn festival not too long ago, just a week and a half ago. And uh, the issue with that, of course, is that uh, the wind has picked up, like substantially. Today, I want to have the uh, windows open, but it's gotten to the point where uh, it's uh, really bad. If I keep it open, it's uh, I'm not sure what's going to fly through the screens that I have covering uh, the uh, the window as it is. So, it's uh, I guess it's going to be closed windows for a little while. The the problem with that, of course, is that uh, the uh, the the air inside. I've noticed that the air inside of um, these apartments isn't always the best, and so what ends up happening is that uh, this is sort of what has contributed to some of my allergies before, uh, wherein uh, you know the the air quality isn't good, and if you don't have one of these uh, air purifier air purifiers. Uh, running all the time, then you're going to inevitably face some sort of um, um, breathing problems, basically, is what, what happens. So not exactly uh, the greatest thing, but uh, at the same time, it is, now that I know how to deal with this, sort of solve it, it's a whole lot easier to uh, manage uh, in uh, the winter months. And this is going to go on from now until, well, March. It's not so bad. Like it's not always so windy, of course, in the winter, but uh, it is right now. I did manage to get a a run in just before, so I went after work around four o'clock or so. Got a run and did some uh, skipping as well, nice and light, just to keep the just to get the blood moving basically. And because um, today's an off day, and uh, yeah, so it was it was good. But uh, yeah, after I came back in, it was uh, already starting. It was a little windy when I went out, but. Uh, Yes. Now it's like I don't. The I feel sorry for delivery guys, sort of thing. That's the that that's what it is. And with that, I did have delivery. <laughs> uh, I was I don't want to cook today. I was like uh, I I just don't want to uh, deal with the hassle uh, because technically this uh, being Thursday, one of the benefits of um, being able to tick or untick my availability for work is that I don't work tomorrow. I was asked to, but I was like uh if I if I have to do if I have to work tomorrow then I can't work today. And the reason why is I've actually have a physio appointment uh tomorrow afternoon that I have to attend. Um I haven't been able to go for quite a while. The clinic was shut down everything, so uh finally managed to get a uh, an appointment with these guys. Uh but uh the so this all sort of 
w with the beginning of my week, and I'm like, I don't want to deal with cooking and stuff like that. So I ordered some Chinese food. Do you like Chinese food? <laughs> if you ever come to China, if you ever uh, meet a fresh uh, off the airplane um, Chinese student overseas, no doubt uh, they will ask you, uh, do you like Chinese food? Um, which if you are a human, um, typically you'll be like, yeah, I, I can eat it. And then you're going to name something that uh, they'll be like, well, that's not real Chinese food, which is nine times out of ten pretty accurate in terms of uh, uh, what's available overseas. At the same time, it's like what we grew up with over in the West, right? Uh, um, sweet and sour pork. I mean, not exactly a mainstay of Chinese cuisine here, at least not in the northern regions. I think that's more of a southern region, uh, southern region dish, to tell you the truth. That being the case, so what did I have? Well, I had these two things, uh, mending robing, uh, which translates to uh, circular meat patties, and then tangzu jiliu. I call it tangzu liji. Apparently, it's not. It's tangzu jiliu. And so it's um, your sweet and sour pork that uh, is fantastically delicious. Um, lots of fat, lots of oil, um, lots of sauce. This, All of it was a lot of fat. Uh, and but it's very good. It tastes good. I had some rice as well. And I can say that after having three of the meat pockets, um, like imagine like uh, a dumpling that's just stuffed with meat, but not like um, not even like a pierogi, not even like a British dumpling, like a, you know, thin layer outside of uh, like a dough exterior, and then inside it's like a a, a, a kid's hand, uh, like a fist size of meat, whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not even sure what kind of meat it is. Probably neuro, like probably uh, uh, beef, but uh, you never know. It could be, um, I don't know, dog or duck. It's not duck. It could be something else. Don't really ask these questions, right? Um, the tongue of G is usually pork. Um, so that, that's typically what that's made out of. And uh, coupled together, I mean, take a bite into these uh, Mending Robing, and uh, they should come with a warning. Uh, be careful. May squirt. They do squirt. So it's one of these dumplings that's filled with these, uh, like this soup sauce or whatever, like inside. Uh, I think some of the xiaolongbao also come like this too, where you bite into it. And if you just bite into it when it's fresh, you scald your tongue and you, you can't taste anything for the rest of the day because the fatty um, boiled liquid inside will scorch, not only scorch your tongue, but it'll spurt out, wreck your clothes, which conveniently happens only after you've done laundry for the day. Uh, and then uh, you're kind of like, well, maybe I'll never order this again until you do actually order it again. Anyway, so this is what happens. I took a bite into it and then right across. I don't think it got over too much, but uh, anyway, yeah, what, it was. I, I was not expecting to squirt from uh, biting into this meat pocket. <laughs> How often do you guys have Chinese food? Good question. <laughs> People have... You know, because I get asked this, even though I've lived in the in the, uh, the country for a while, and I'm even if we're having a conversation in Chinese, um, broken albeit, uh, they ask me, "Do you like Chinese food?" I'm going, "Well, I have to eat something first of all, and second of all, um, if um, let's put it this way, if a lot of the technology can be made in China, then all the food that is available in China, be it a pizza, burgers, mending, robing, or tang tzu ji liu, it's all Chinese food, isn't it?" Uh, they don't normally um, respond to that very much. Wang Fujing Bookstore. Uh, this okay. So if you're in Beijing, this is probably one of the uh, uh, the famous 
bookstores to go to. It's been on Wang Fujing Street, which has uh, been in operation for a while. Wang Fujing is a large uh, touristy shopping street uh, built basically for tourists, not too far away from Tiananmen Square. So if you ever come to uh, Beijing, it's going to be one of the stops that you make on your day tour of Tiananmen Square, um, probably followed by like into the hutongs afterwards. Like Wang Fujing, you can walk through, you don't need to buy it. It's not like it has anything very unique to it, to tell you the truth. It's a shopping street. It's packed with Chinese tourists. Uh, so if you are a Western shopper, chances are you're going to be like, why would I buy anything here? But if you're a Chinese uh, shopper uh, who is from the sticks of China, like the small towns, you might go see there. You might go there. The, the, it's actually famous for Quan uh, De, which is the um, Beijing Kaoya, Beijing Rose Duck restaurants. I, not, that's not the original. There's an original somewhere else, but that's sort of the, the big uh, touristy uh, um, restaurant uh, place. So it uh, also houses like a like a bunch of luxury retailers and it's, it's kind of like is this what people want to buy um but uh, it does have these bookstores like it's uh, has massive bookstores five stories tall five floors anyway and it actually has two so there's actually uh, has one fujing bookstore and there's another one not far from it that i'm not sure if it has english books i can't remember but one fujing bookstore uh so there's two actually yeah there's there's both of them have English sections, uh, English book sections, but the Wang Fujing bookstore is the uh, sort of the, the massive one. Uh, actually, I'll tell you the truth, I'm not even sure if I'm getting this right. If it's the foreign language bookstore that's going, no, it's not. It's just the Wang Fujing bookstore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they all look, they all kind of look the same too, to tell you the truth. But uh, um, that's, uh, so this bookstore is closing down for the next couple of years or so. And uh, they, so they had a massive book sale to clear out everything, to clear out their inventory. I guess it's coming back, not entirely sure, uh, as the uh, building is going to be renovated. But uh, honestly, uh, when was the last time you went to this place? Uh, I think I went there a couple months ago because um, I was in the Wang Fujing area district area. Uh, the, the physiotherapy place actually is not too far away from this uh, this area. Uh, but uh did I buy anything? No, because uh, if I, like most people, I would take a picture of the book, drop that into my Taobao or Jingdong APP application, and search for it, and then get the cheaper version that would be then delivered to my door, usually the next day or within a few days, um, at which point I would open it and not look at it, put it on the shelf and never look at it again. It saves me the trouble of carrying it home, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. There's environmental concerns. I was talking about this yesterday. You know, carbon credits and everything, um, you know. But the, and the packaging and the, the transportation and you know the fact that they printed the book and it's going to sit there and it, does it need to be printed if it's just going to be sat there? It's just going to be sitting there all the time. So, oh, good question. But uh, yeah, when, when was the how, how often do you buy books? Do, do you guys still buy physical books? I know. David, I know you do. <laughs> David special orders books from like around the world, uh, and I, I know I have um, a bunch of Chinese. I buy Chinese books with the uh, grand ambition of reading them someday, and the pages are remarkably pristine. Same with the covers. I don't like getting uh, finger oil, like hand oil, on my covers. It just it bothers me. I don't know why. It just it just drives me insane. Um, so I, I tip, I don't like if, if it's uh, one of these covers, it's like uh, in, in China, they do this, especially where they have these, um, 
uh, book wraps. Like it's, so it's like a, a third or something like that. It's a third of a page, and it sort of wraps around the book. So you have that that causes issues. Uh, and then they have like a paper um, cover for the book as well. And that it's all very susceptible to fingerprints. And it's just one of these things where you're like, I just bought the book, and it's already got like a thousand fingerprints all over it. <sighs> Mafanla troublesome, right? I haven't had much time to read anyway since I've been doing this Delta course, uh, which is uh, taking up much, most of my free time, although I'm not going to lie, I'm enjoying that course as well. Um, Wi-Fi issues on the phone. I don't know if you guys have uh, any issues with this, if you've ever had your phone just stop connecting to Wi-Fi. This phone has been working fantastically for the last year and a half, uh, but all of a sudden, Wi-Fi doesn't work. I'm not sure if it updated or whatever, but I do know that uh, given that National Day is only, what, eight days away, nine days away, we are entering into that period when there might be a little bit more trouble making some connections with people. And uh, your assisted internet, uh, your assisted connection, internet connection devices might uh, face some um, sporadic interruptions, uh, periodic interruptions, and that just means that you're going to have to uh, deal with it somehow. Uh, oh well, I don't know what's happened. The only problem with this Wi-Fi thing not working is that I have to use my data, and apparently I'm using my data quite a bit, so that's not making me very happy. But uh, oh well, I'll figure it out. Something's busted. Uh, I might have to take it into the shop and uh, get looked at. Although I don't like doing that because a lot of times they don't know what they're doing, and they're like, "Well, you have to buy a new phone." <laughs> I'm not buying a new 8,000 RMB phone to replace this one. Not it's not this one's going to last me at least a few more years. Okay. That was the point of it. Uh, I did watch a, a few of these YouTube, YouTube clips about these uh, carbon credits. And yeah, basically, I didn't know that the European Union was kind of doing this. But uh, since the European Union, although it's like one of the uh, the leaders in the um, uh, what you tell, legislation and policies uh, surrounding carbon credits and things like that, uh, it's so they have to be because the companies. So they're doing two things. Number one, um, not only they, since the European continent is so vast in terms of its uh, uh, cultural and demographic and country na- nationalistic sort of divisions, like national divisions, bo- countries basically. Um, so, if one company over in France or Spain is you know not, uh, not using all their carbon credits, they can sell it across the continent basically to another company uh, who needs them. So again, it's not like the uh, the issue is being solved. It's just being traded around on paper. That's it. The other thing I didn't realize, which was kind of funny and kind of made me think of China, to tell you the truth, uh, in terms of their opening up and uh, trying to attract foreign businesses and stuff like that, because uh, we were we were complaining that uh, we were being chased out, like the foreigners were sort of being pushed off. But at the same time, there all, there was also sort of. Uh, um, some talk about them, China trying to attract a different type of foreigner. They wanted a, a certain type, of, you know, a certain industry or whatever to come here. And this one of these videos uh, put on by Bloomberg, I think it was, um, or The Economist. They, they're like, yeah, if, uh, the, if the company isn't that big and it doesn't have to be there, or if it's super huge and it, but it doesn't have to be there, it will pick up and move to a more favorable jurisdiction. Now, you might think, how can they do that? You're right. They don't take the mines with them. They take the headquarters, and then they set up a regional office, right? So that's what they're doing. It's not, again, they're not solving the issue. They're not putting any of those cap things on the uh, the big smokestacks that you see pumping out whatever into the air, and we're 
smelling at here in Beijing and around China. Lanzhou comes to mind. I'm not going to lie. That place has been perennially polluted. Beijing has nice blue skies, but that's at the expense of some other places around the country that are getting the industrial uh, uh, employment numbers, I guess you could say, but uh, also the pollutants that come along with it. Uh, so that being the case, like these, and I'm not saying like. I'm not saying that these companies are coming to China. I'm saying that they might, they could. Like, is China trying to attract these companies uh, to come set up a headquarters, uh, like in Beijing or Shanghai or Hong Kong? It might have been Hong Kong before, but maybe people don't really want to go there anymore. Um, but uh, I know, like for <laughs> think of like an, um, a United States company uh, looking at Canada, going, why would we go there? And look at a Canadian company going, well, why don't we just leave and go set up shop in the states? Will be our headquarters will be in the states. Still Canadian people and everything, same infrastructure. Just the headquarters address has changed, which means that their tax filings sort of change as well, right? So yeah, that was a couple of interesting things. Now all of this kind of uh, pushed me into. Uh, I had this uh, Facebook uh, conversation or another social media conversation with a, a relative who uh, expressed some consternation, some re- reservations about uh, digital currencies. And the argument, as it is, is like, you know, one power failure, and you're done. Like, how can you buy anything with uh, when, when you have a, a power failure? And it's, it's, a you know, kind of a legitimate concern until you realize, like, when, the, when was the last time you in, endured a power failure? What happened? How long was it? Uh, I know here in China, um, there were rolling blackouts and brownouts and things like that. Um, but let's keep in mind, there are, first of all, generators. Uh, and if you live in an area that it has these blackouts, you'll probably have something that uh, can do that. Number two, not all outlets go out at the same time. Um, number three, consider that digital currencies uh, also run on the NFC, so uh, near-field communication, uh, near-field connection, whatever it is. Um, network as well, not network, the, that, that sort of channel, that protocol. So you don't need to be connected to the internet to exchange monies. And that's what China has been working on as well for these uh, rural areas um, where uh, they're, they're in implementing digital currencies and then NFC technology. Uh, but also the uh, very fast, you can, well, you still need a cell phone. It's true. But your cell phone batteries, you have chargers, um, like uh, you have uh, portable battery packs for these uh, cell phones. Um, yes, it, you do require some connection at some point, and you're right. I'm thinking like the rural um, uh, portions of the <laughs> the country. Uh, yeah, there are places where like they have one plug and the you know one line, and if that goes down, I mean you're 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 not digital paying anything. But are those the people that you're concerned about, or are you concerned about your own situation if you're traveling through a place that only has one plug outlet? Um, I mean, first of all, what are you doing there? Uh, second of all, uh, how long are you going to be there? And if you couldn't have power, would you stay, right? Unless you really had to or you really had to charge your phone. Uh, so all that sort of being gathered together is like cell phone batteries are lasting long enough that you can with, with, withstand a, a day's worth of restricted power usage. More than that, of course, it gets uh, dicey. I mean, you do want to have some extra uh, batteries and stuff like that to charge your phone or uh, your electronic device, um, even if it's NFC or anything, it's you know you still need the the, the phone, the device to be operational. Uh, and uh, but then all of that kind of leads to the question of maybe the issue isn't the con- the control of the digital currency, it's the control of the lights. Now hear me out here. What if this big push to uh, smart 
appliances, smart home tech, and stuff like this. Amazon got in trouble for this, apparently, just recently, where um, they were, I think it was because there was going to be a monopoly or something. Something came out um, that uh, Amazon wants to track your robotic house cleaner, right? So they're willing to um, take, you can upload that information to Amazon Cloud, right? Do you see the issue with this? Oh, privacy. What privacy are you talking about? There's two things. Number one, the size of your apartment. And number two, where you are. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's sort of the big one. Uh, but uh, the size of your apartment and what type of uh, a dwelling is it? Where is it located? And everything all means that they can target you with advertising. Hey, are you a single bachelor living on your own in a square, in a small apartment? Do you need more space? How about this nice new shelving rack? Now on sale, 50% off, something like that, right? I mean, that's what they're thinking. If they track these robotic cleaners, right, that automatically just pace around your floor once you're done, they'll be like, hey, whoa, that's how big his apartment is, 25 square feet on the floor. We could sell him some shelving units and stuff like that. I mean, oh, and you could put it up on the walls or something. Easy installation, probably doesn't want to drill into the uh, the drywall, so it's got to be tough, but it's got to be on the outside surface, removable, and of course, if he decides to leave the apartment, still an upgrade of value to the apartment, but it doesn't damage the place, right? Think of that. I mean, that's, that's kind of where the, the marketing, economic, scamming, skimming goes on. All that being said, smart home tech, all that information gets put up there. If they're not trying to sell you something, what if they just shut it off? Think of these carbon credits that I was talking about yesterday. Yes, this is getting, again, creative thinking. I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory because that's, it's not conspiracy. It's creative thinking. I've, I almost kind of wonder if I could ever have an, a, a job in the government to think this stuff up. Or, you know, a private think tank. Maybe that's what I should do one day. But uh, the idea of you track the, this usage and as we move into a situation where we can either take from the grid or put into the grid, because some states and provinces do that, what if they track your energy expenditure, your usage, and your input, and they go, well, you're not contributing enough, or you're taking too much, and so they hit you with like a, a, a cap of electricity. What do they do? Do they fine you, or do they just shut it off? So I think the concern, uh, one of the concerns, I think the digital concerns, uh, currency concern of like just being able to shut off the power, I don't think that's, uh, it seems too obvious. But smart home tech, all of a sudden, oh, well, this uh, voting block didn't go so well. Blackout or brownout, limited power, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not saying it has to happen in any one jurisdiction. I'm just saying that it could happen in a jurisdiction that might be kind of look at the United States voting thing, that debacle, the whole mail-in ballot stuff like that, right? I, I don't put it past it. I don't put it past them. I'm not going to lie. I don't put it past them at all to go to steep to that level. So stoop to that level and steep. They can steep there and stoop and everything. All right. There. There's your fun thinking and uh <laughs> thought uh, creative thought processes for today hope you guys have a good one uh show notes tracks and vids up on my website stevensersky.com i hope you guys enjoyed that thanks for listening i appreciate it and of course we will talk again have a good one bye bye